Hello everybody. I am so excited to be sitting down and chatting with you today. I hope that you can hear the birds outside. I'm in my office and I have the doors open and the birds are just singing and there's crickets and this microphone may not pick that up, but I kind of hope that it does because it feels pretty magical. Someone, a friend of mine was like, you with the doors open kind of remind me of Snow White because where we live and where my office is, there's always these like wild life around. Like there's like this little squirrel who comes up on my, like right to my door every single day. And there's always birds around. And we have like a family of bears, like black bears that like walk across, like right in front of my door. And she was like, asking me if any wildlife ever come inside and they don't I haven't had any yet and she was like you remind me of Snow White and I was like I don't think I would be as calm as Snow White would be if like a squirrel ran into my office like I think I would freak out like I'd love to be like oh hello little squirrel and like feed it but no I would I would freak out so that hasn't happened yet hopefully it doesn't happen anytime soon I'm feeling really good this week. So if you listened to last week's quick chat, you already know I was really sick two weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I was really sick. I was in bed like every day. And then last week I was feeling better, but I was still really exhausted. Like I was still recovering. And this week I have my mojo back and that feels so exciting. I had a really productive day yesterday. I'm back to getting up at my normal hours And that has me thinking a lot about how we don't listen to ourselves. I think that we're so trained, especially in our American culture. I know all of you don't live in the States, but in our American culture, like we're very much like trained to not trust ourselves, to not listen to our instincts. And I think that comes back from like the early manufacturing days when we just wanted people to show up and like be on an assembly line and do their job and do it at the cost of their health and at the cost of their lives many times before the industrial revolution. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, this is, I used to teach burnout recovery as like my primary career. So I have this fact like locked and loaded, but the 40-hour work week completely exists out of the Industrial Revolution just as a way to keep people from dying because we were killing people because we were overworking them. And so we were like, let's compromise here. You're wanting to work us to death. And we think we deserve to live. So let's work for, let's like compromise on 40 hours a week. And we've just stuck to that. Even as like self-employed people, like we still stick to that for some reason. Like it's like the way we're supposed to function when there are so many different cultures and so many different ways to work and to be. And we just get caught up in the idea that we're supposed to work these certain hours, no matter what, no matter how we're feeling. And we're not supposed to trust our instincts. We're not supposed to trust if we're hungry or thirsty. Like, like even down to like diet culture, right? Like we're not supposed to trust if we're hungry, like you should chew gum instead. Like that's the advice I received as like a nine-year-old. It's like, you're feeling hungry. Well, like try chewing gum, try drinking water and then see if you're really hungry. Like, no humans have to eat. Like we're hungry. <laughs> like, And 
there's so much research now that like the res- the constant restriction and self neglect is what creates these like cravings that we think like my mom all the time is like, I'm addicted to sugar. I'm addicted to bread. And now we're learning that these addictions, these cravings, they come from the restriction. They are kind of the pro- byproduct of the restriction, not the other way around. We don't need to restrict to limit our cravings, we actually need to just eat a little bit of bread and move on with our day. But our obsession with food comes from the restriction that we do. I I went on a little like tangent there, but we're trained to not think about our bodies. We're trained to not listen to our minds. You have a headache, you work anyway. You don't feel well, you work anyway. And you're unhappy, but you stick it out. You, all of these things are trained to not trust ourselves. And so when we're trained to not trust ourselves, then we get into this dichotomy around discipline and self-care that feels so intense, right? Like it's like, we aren't supposed to We're not supposed to feel good. It's almost like the idea, right? And if I feel good, I must be neglecting something else. And if I'm not neglect, and then there's also this like level of shame in being productive too. Like people who like self-care has become its own thing to feel guilty about. Like, oh, I'm working so much. I should be better at self-care. It's like a thing, another thing to be good at. And so I think it's so funny. And I think all of that roots from our inability to self-trust, our inability to say, I'm feeling hungry, I can eat. I'm feeling tired, I can rest. I'm feeling sick, I can take the things that I need to feel better. I can't tell you how many times like I have felt sick and just not taken medicine, right? Like I have like a headache and I'm like, I can do this. <laughs> I, can, I can get through this headache. I don't have to take medicine for it. Like what is the point of that, right? Other than just like this And I know that comes from fear that if I take too much headache medicine, I'll have like long-term health health problems or, you know, down the line, but also like moderation is okay. Like you can just take medicine sometimes when you have a headache. If you're having headaches every day, then there's something else to to think about or something else to consider. Anyway, I'm getting on all these little tiny tangents, but but really I'm, I'm thinking a lot about how I felt sick and part of me thought oh man, I'm probably just not taking care of myself well enough. And I'm sick because uh, maybe I should just be getting up at five in the morning and instead of six in the morning, and then I'll feel better. And that's not how sickness works. Like cold viruses don't care if you're, what time you wake up in the morning, like they aren't, that's not how science works, right? Like you come in contact with the virus and then you contract the virus or your immune system fights it sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. And that's just the deal. Like that's what we're working with. (laughs) So yeah, so I was dealing with like that kind of guilt, but then now I'm back into waking up at six in the morning. I have a pretty regimented morning routine. I don't even think regimented is the fair word. I have a very luxurious morning routine. (laughs) I have added all of these habits over time that are now just like part of my everyday life. And it, it, it's a lot, but it's not like I added it all at one time, right? Like I started doing yoga 10 years ago and I started doing it every day back then. And so now doing it every day just feels normal. It doesn't feel like I try very hard to do it. 
you know, and I, I've been writing every day since I was nine years old. So again, that's not something I think about, but I, I do yoga in the morning. I journal in the morning. I started doing skincare like five years ago. So my skincare routine is like part of my morning, all of these things, you know, breakfast is like the thing I'm trying to do. I always forget to eat breakfast. It always feels like I could take it or leave it. And I'm trying to build that habit right now, but I'm doing all these things I started doing that again this week and I'm feeling great. And it's like, well, which, and I had this like thought this morning, like which one came first? Do I feel great because I woke up at six in the morning or do I wake up at six in the morning because I feel great? And here's the answer. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter either way. There's no moral comp. There's no moral rightness to waking up early. It's just, if I want to, I do. And if I don't, I don't. And both are fine. (laughs) It's my shame around rest and my fear of being undisciplined. Like those things that's like underlining even the need to ask that question and my distrust of myself, right? The learn the, I'm in the process of like unlearning the very idea that we should not trust our needs, right? Like, and I like, again, I talk about this all the time. Like I break it down by heart, mind, body, and soul. And I ask myself every day, what do I, what do each of those things need? And I try to make sure they get those things. But in the moment, you know, it's still, it's still hard to do. It still kind of feels counterculture to trust ourselves, to trust our instincts and to run with that. And I think for me, you know, if we're looking at we're looking at the bigger picture, it feels a little bit easier. But when we're in the moment and we're saying, I'm tired, and you like to just go take a nap <laughs> feels impossible. Like, I don't know what that is, you know? It feels like, ah, oh, no, you're not allowed to do that. And I know for some of us, it's easier than for others. I know I work for myself and there's a ton of privilege in that and a ton of option in that. And I know for a lot of you who are like going into work every day, especially right now, like it doesn't feel like you have that option, but even in your workplace, like having those moments, it might not be as luxurious as taking a nap, but you can have a moment where you're like, I'm going to go take like a long bathroom break. Or I think I'm thinking, okay, worst case scenario, my work life was when I was in college and I worked at this coffee shop and I loved working there, but it was a very, very busy coffee shop and he would under schedule. So he would have one person working at time for the whole shift. And there would be just like people lined up down the street. This would mean that like you couldn't take a bathroom break. I remember like one time I just freaked out and I was just like in the back crying. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I saw like the flood of people coming and I was already like mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. I was in school full time and working. It was just a crazy thing. So if I think about this scenario for me, this is like the least amount of option that I had, like going to the bathroom didn't even feel like a choice. Put myself in that position and think back to, okay, my body needed rest in a situation in which rest wasn't available to me. So what could I do? Like, what is an option? Maybe I move a little slower. I'm always like a, I'm an overachiever. Like I want to like, not only do my job, but I want to do my job in a way that makes you feel like impressed, you know, and I like to move quickly. Um, I like the feeling of like multitasking, So in that frame of mind, I had a choice, you know, if my body's saying rest, 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 and I was like, I can't, I could have moved slower and just taken my time, 
breathe through. People can wait an extra 30 seconds for their coffee. The ease of being in resting is so much more worth it than that kind of like trying to multitask, trying to push through, trying to make the most of a situation that maybe only made a 30 second difference, but was physically and emotionally a much larger toll, right? Another thing is I could say, Hey, I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm scheduled alone. I'll be back in 30 seconds. (laughs) Like I can put a sign up and just take what I need physically. But I was ignoring my own physical needs because I felt like the parameters required me to. And I think that's a really great example of how we can make it work in the context of what we're doing. Some of us are better at this than others. Self-neglect, I think, is ingrained in most of us from birth. So I have my mojo back this week, and I'm having an existential crisis about wants and needs and feelings, (laughs) basically. The next thing is I'm so excited because Thursday, so Thursday, Friday of this week that you're listening to this, then Monday and Tuesday of next week, I am taking off of work. So I'll be off from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I usually try to take about a week and a half off for each quarter of my business. This month, I didn't. I got sick, so I couldn't really make it happen. But I realized, okay, I can take off Thursday, Friday, and then Monday and Tuesday. And then it's like I'm getting, you know, six days in a row off, which is almost a week without neglecting anything too much. You know, I'm not missing any of my important meetings or anything like that. So that is all going down. And I'm thrilled because last quarter I started this thing where I completely unplugged, like a hundred percent unplugged from all media, like social media, from TV, from even using my phone or my iPad, like just felt like, what did it feel like to be a person? So That went so well. I read seven books in a week and I don't normally even read that much in several months. So yeah, I'm going to do that again this week. So, you know, the day you're listening to this, I don't exist on the internet anymore. Basically Um, my lovely assistant, Jenny is going to be able to like kind of keep the business running and keeps like Enneagram and coffee, social media running, but I will, I will not exist. I will be hidden away off of media for several days. And I, I really, really couldn't be more excited. I cannot wait to, I, it's just a level of refresh and rejuvenation and creativity that I can't get anywhere else. You know, that feeling of like being completely unplugged is very similar to the same thing as traveling alone, which is that, that kind of energy for me, it's, it's kind of parallel. So I'm, really, really excited. And I think that this is something that we could all use, even if it's just for one day, like most of us don't even give ourselves one day of full media silence. And yeah, I'm pumped. I'm going to watch the presidential debate on Thursday night, but other than that, I'm out. Other things, Enneagram world, Enneagram thoughts. So Y'all, this one's big. This is a really big, like, behind-the-scenes moment. I am kind of questioning feasibility of using the Enneagram on Instagram. 
here's the thing. I know this is like everything that I do. It's a really big part of my job. The thing is, it's hard to synthesize the information into tiny boxes. And it's so deep and it's so kind of sacred um, to a lot of people. And it's so personal that a lot of us have a hard time accepting any variation of it. So if, you know, if I'm trying to create a post that has like one sentence for every Enneagram type, you really can't capture every type, every kind of four experience in a sentence for type fours, right? It's just not really feasible. So it has me questioning a lot about Instagram's the right format for Enneagram work. And I think the reality of what I'm experiencing as someone who runs an account like this is that I'm getting a lot of people who are not going deeper into the Enneagram and don't really even know what the Enneagram is. And they're following my account and they're forming their understanding of the Enneagram off of that, which I think that when I created the account, it was more for like, okay, those of us who are already doing the deep work of the Enneagram to kind of have a giggle. And I really think about like, okay, I have this large platform and I have this like deep purpose and my, and I know my deep purpose is to help people find the balance between self-acceptance and productivity and to really manage that, that middle place of like, I can love myself and get things done and do the things I want to do in my life. I don't have to sacrifice self-care for discipline or discipline for self-care. Like they can coincide, they can coexist. And that's like my deep calling. And I use the Enneagram to do that work. My understanding of the Enneagram enhances that work, but I'm just really struggling with this format. And I have all of these people, right? I have like 500,000 people who I'm speaking to. And do I want that to be the thing that I say? Is that what I want to share? Do I, you know, I really feel this like burning fire in my bones to impact people positively, to make sure that I leave people better than I found them. And I'm not confident that Enneagram and coffee as it stands can do that or does do that. I believe that the podcast does. I'm confident in what the podcast does. Yeah, but the the feed itself, I just think it's a tricky format for what we're doing. And even as I go deeper, my content has shifted dramatically from the beginning of, of starting Enneagram and Coffee. Even as I go deeper, it's just still this awkward thing that maybe you don't notice as followers, but for me is, is there's a constant conflict. Um, I'm posting this thing, but I'm not confident that it's the right thing for me to be sharing. And I don't like to live in that place. So I think, um, things are going to change a little bit. I am not sure how, and I imagine I'm going to lose potentially hundreds of thousands of followers in the process, but I have to be okay with that. I have to choose my purpose over followers. Because here's the thing. If we're not focused on the impact that we're making, people become followers. But if we can focus on the impact we want to make in in the lives of the people who follow us, followers, we're reminded that followers, in quotations, are human beings with beating hearts and souls who are giving you their time and attention And I want to make sure that that time and attention is honored through my very best 
my very best work, not just in production, but in intent that the content that I'm giving you is giving you something to enrich your life and not just, I, I just can't, I'm just not okay with things as they are. So they're going to change probably slowly. <laughs> You're the first people to find out and it'll probably roll out, roll out kind of, kind of slowly. I already have like two weeks of content planned for Enneagram coffee as it stands. And then I don't know how we're going to shift it, but things are going to shift. And it's a, that's really the biggest thing going on in my life right now. I mean, this is a really big, scary decision, but it also feels like the right thing to do. And I know that the people who do stay through that risk will be the right people for me. And that's what matters the most to me. You know, if I have 10 people who are like, yes, like I, you can help me with the thing that you, you are here, put on earth to do, that's way more meaningful than having half a million eyes on work that I feel completely disconnected from. And I actually think can do more harm at times than good. So it's scary, <laughs> but this is the kind of risk that I tell everyone to take. You know, these are the kind of risks that I stand behind and I want to do the things that I hope you would do in your life. So here we are. That's what's going on. The podcast is, I don't have an intention for the podcast to go anywhere. And again, all of these changes are going to happen well you know, just over time, slowly, but surely. And I appreciate you guys for being here. And I'm curious about your thoughts. I, I feel very like settled on it as the right thing for me, but I am curious if anyone else is like, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Or I, I kind of see that perspective or like, no, <laughs> I doubt, I doubt anyone's going to be like, but I can't live without this. Cause I mean, there's so many Enneagram accounts at this point. I think we'll all survive, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. As always, it is such a pleasure to be here serving you, being witnessed by you, and sharing in a community. I will see you in the next episode.